Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Monday, March 21st. And John, let me be the first to say to you, happy 2022 football season. (laughs) If you're you're listening now... (laughs) You are a hardcore fan. Yeah, we, are, we we lose we lose a handful of folks. So uh, after, after the football or basketball seasons end, so shout out to you, listener. You are a you're the lifer. You're in it. Yeah, you you wanted to be here to to hear the uh, the autopsy to hear us go over the body <laughs> and reveal what uh, what took it all down, what made it all end. Um, yeah, so I think John, we might as well uh jump right in do we want to i think we should just like run through each game so let's start with davidson um and then we'll talk duke and then we'll kind of do our recaps and then i want the listeners to know there will be good things we are going to absolutely absolutely flay uh some of these big 10 teams including some that are still in tournaments so no one's saying and the other here's the thing you probably came here wait wanting or expecting us to just be like Told you so. Doom and gloom. <laughs> no spoilers. I think you're going to get a surprising amount of uh, veiled optimism, maybe, from this past weekend. So and we, with that, John, let's go ahead and start off. Michigan State uh, did win a game here in March, 74-73 against Davidson. Um, it, it's just, it's never easy. Or this season, I think that was one of the things that I, one of my season-long themes. Never easy. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a great game. You know, aesthetically, I think a lot of people tuning in enjoyed a good game. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised with the effort there. I, I have to admit, there was a time, if you guys remember correctly, you know, they went down 56 to 51 with about, uh, I think it was 651 to go. And I was ready to, to like. I was like, I've seen this movie. This team's <laughs> soft. Like they, they, they're gonna collapse. And good on them for you know, really gutting it out. And against a pretty good Davidson team, not great. Pretty good. They have some nice pieces. Um, four guys, you know, went into double figures. Foster Lawyer with the quietest twelve points I've ever seen. By the way, uh, it's if you had asked me how many points he scored. I would definitely not have said if you would have said the over under at five and a half, I think I would have taken the under. Oh yeah. And then, you know, I, I'm going to give my compliments on the other team before we jump into Michigan state. Um, 
they held true to what they do. They're a three-point shooting team. They were 10 of 25, pretty nice. Um, they were shockingly bad at the free throw line, and that kind of cost them, mm-hmm. the game, I think. And you got what you wanted from the A-10 play of the year, uh, Bradjkovic. Um, he had 18 uh, on, on the on the night, but was held off the boards, and in part because he got into foul trouble. And if you remember, yep, um, we, we talked about it, or I shared it with um, DK and Spartan Hoops. But when he got four fouls in any game, I think they were three and four, and then obviously now three and five. They they need him because behind him was nothing. And so good on you know Michigan State for knowing that scout and and going at him, um, make him get some cheapies, and that. That alone, I think, won the game behind all the other aspects of the happen, which included a, a night to to remember for Joey Hauser, right, Austin? Oh my goodness, yeah. I that that is one thing. It's funny whenever we talk about March, I feel like it holds true in the early rounds more than the later rounds, because in the later rounds you kind of just need your best guys to be your best guys. In those early rounds, you sort of need like. Uh, a random, not random, but like your fourth best player to be the one that wins you a game. And man, did Joey Hauser come through in a way that legitimately, if he's played his last game and he's Lansing, which it's very possible, if not probable that he has, uh, it legitimately changed the way that I will remember him as a, as a Spartan. This entire weekend did. Um, he absolutely played his ass off. In this game, I mean, shot the lights out. He was the Joey Hauser that we had all been hoping and expecting, rightfully or not, him to be since he came over from Marquette. Um, and he shot the lights out, rebounded the heck out of the ball, defended really well, all things considered, knowing his limitations. Um, he, he made big shots, like you said, when they were down late. He came through and made some big shots, made free throws, and just really fulfilled a lot of the promise that I think a lot of people, like I said, expected coming into his tenure. Um, phenomenal game. Phenomenal game from Joey Hauser. Yeah, really proud of him. I mean, that's just one you feel good about, right? And you're just like, that's man, true. he needed that. Everyone needed that. He earned it. He worked hard enough. Um, and I think, you know, this is this might, I don't mean this to take away from his performance because it's something he should and will tell his grandkids about. And NCAA yeah. tournament game, he dropped 27. That and twenty-seven and eight, like damn, that's a that is a ball game. And you know, I think what we saw is you saw him very comfortable against people that were moving at the same speed and athleticism and size as yep. him. And that's not a knock; that's just the reality. And so, you know, <laughs> does if Joey Hauser goes to the A10, does he become Player of the Year there? Hard to say. <sighs> Hard to say, right? But the fact of the matter is, came to Michigan State. He, he had a nice um, end cap to his to his career, and the doors, as far as I have um, heard and am aware of, is still open with him. Yeah. So he has he has the COVID year. It, it is up to him, you know, on his choice and what's next for him and his path um, to choose to come back. We'll get into the next season though in a bit. Yeah. Um, but let's let's also talk about a couple other. Um, people who showed up in this game. A.J. Hogard uh, really in, in was able to do what he does best and get in the paint against undersized guards, including Foster. Yeah. Um, probably not used enough. And it almost begged the question, like, why are they not just running a high ball screen on Foster Lawyer? Yeah. Down? 
But so this is, it, it, that was, I think, one of the most fascinating parts about this game is that they had him so thoroughly scouted defensively. Mm-hmm. Like they took he the guy averaged 16 points a game. It was lethal from outside all year. It barely got an open look in this entire game. And you saw what it did to their offense. I mean, it, it changed. Like, that's a big element of what they did uh, all year. He led that team in scoring. And they clearly, I mean, they played really well despite that, but they, they could have used it. And yet on the other side, it's a, but again, credit, credit to Hogard there. It was mostly Hogard checking him. Tyson Walker got on him quite a bit. And you could tell like, hey, they, you know, obviously not Walker, but Hogard practiced against this guy for, you know, a full season uh he he knows what he's up against and and then yet on the other end like <laughs> they never isolated him no they never went at him and and it's like of all the players that they should have done that with it's like you you were the victim of this for the last three years and you're and you get your literally your one chance yeah. to, <laughs> to use all of that knowledge and just it didn't seem like they used it at all. Hogard was never isolated on him. And I don't know if that's a scheme thing or if that's just an AJ Hogard not reading the moment correctly thing, but like mm. either way, um, a big miss. Tyson Walker went at him a little bit more, but like that the offense was Joey Hauser getting shots, Hogard kind of cut into the rim and not what I think everybody was probably screaming at their screen where it's like isolate on Foster Lawyer and drive the ball at him the way that every single team drove the ball at him the second he came on the floor for you the last four years. Like, I don't know. It was, it, I'm glad they won. If they hadn't, I'd be way more upset about it. But right. uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of a, uh, that I think was sort of indicative of the year where a lot yes. of stuff where you're sitting at home watching the screen and being like, I know I'm just a fan, but why aren't they doing the thing that seems so obvious to do? Right. Well, you're right. And, we can look back at this game and smile because they won and barely, by the way. Uh, Tyson Walker, one of some underrated free throws to end the game. Oh, my God. Big time. As, as, as um, Lee came down and knocked down a three with under a second left, that would have pushed into overtime. And let me tell you, that is nothing we wanted to be a part of, especially because, Ooh. you know, they were down five but then they really controlled the final seven minutes of the game like and and to have gone to overtime would have been like something that would have from a mental standpoint probably been pretty exhausting because you had won the game like you had done all the right things in the final seven minutes to win the game so huge free throws um shout out to tyson in his first ncaa tournament game by the way yeah free throws that's not a small thing so uh, really proud of him, and you know, the moment was too big for Max Christie, and and I think I will note that while there were some complaints, I, I would note that it's also okay to know the moments too big, but not get in the way, and he didn't, and he had no turnovers in this game, no fouls, um, played 27 minutes, and he missed his open, he missed his shots, but I think my whole point is. He played serviceably on defense, and sometimes that's the best. When it's not your night, I think it's okay to to just yeah. make sure you're not hurting the team anymore. You know, just be survive. You know, and he did. I thought so. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to next year and all that comes with it in a bit. But 
um, I think you just saw a freshman that, I mean, we talked, we talked about it down the stretch, like dude played 30 something, he played the most minutes on the team oh, yeah. this year. And this is a kid coming from like mid tier Illinois high school basketball. It's not yep. like he's, uh, you know, coming from, yeah, I don't know, California or, or like some crazy important, you know, intense league. He's coming from like high school ball in Northern Chicago. Uh, so big step up. I'm not surprised his legs were were more or less shot towards the end of the year. But yeah, you're right. I mean, know your role. He, he had an important role to play. Was he, should he have been cast in it all year? Probably not. But um, you're right. In this game, he, he kind of stayed out of the way. Uh, yeah. I, you know, listen, they, they, it's funny because all year we talked about, you've seen it, like, some games, they're so mentally tough. Like, then they, like they won on the road at Wisconsin. Like, such mental toughness when they won those two games in the Bahamas, such mental toughness. Uh, and then you just had other moments throughout the season, Penn state Western, And you're just like, what just happened in these games? Like, how did that happen? Like, where did this tough as nails team that answers in the big moments go? Um, and I think you saw, I was proud of them for hanging in here at the end. Cause to your point, they were down, and a lesser team could have easily folded and they, they managed to fight back. And, and listen, they got to the second week of March, one of the 32 best teams. Uh, can't be too mad about that. Well, yes. You can, though. <laughs> yeah. That and I, I would say they brought a B. I'll give them a B for this game. Yeah. And you watched that game and you were like, Okay, they sur- they literally survived this game. They did the bare minimum to win this game. And they're going to play Duke next, and they're going to get their doors blown off if they play their B game again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And to their credit, they played one of the best comp- games for 37 minutes we had seen them play, in my opinion. They played a very solid A game that was tuned in. Um, from the jump, and I think a lot of it is you had a very, very tuned-in Marcus Bingham. And a lot of the things kind of fell in line once you had his energy. And they played a really tough game and came up short against Duke 86-75. to 75. As As complaints go, it's hard for me because of two reasons. And I'm interested in your thoughts here. It's it's hard to me compl- to complain because everyone showed up, and you got your very best from your seniors. You got a seat. You got a great effort effort from them, and they and they showed up and hit shots and did things that you'd expect your seniors probably to do. And then the other thing is where it's hard to get upset is Duke hit some very difficult shots, like from for NBA guys hit some NBA shots, and you can't. There's no one outside that's. <laughs> on Michigan State that could have defended those probably any better than they did. Now, the fact that MSU doesn't have, maybe they have one NBA player on this roster, that's up for debate, versus Duke had three that started that could play in the NBA NBA tomorrow, which is different than MSU's one who is a year or two away, Max Christie, in my opinion. Yeah, at least. So, so that's the, the that's the gap, and you can get mad at that gap if you want. You know that why doesn't MSU have isn't aren't they at that level? 
that's a different conversation. For this game and these rosters, I think you probably got probably one of the best efforts you could have asked for considering the roster. And I don't think they choked down this stretch, as some trolls would have you think. Duke just hit some great shots. They just just did some tough shots, man. And that's okay. Sometimes you need a bounce or two to have an upset, and sometimes they don't have you know? So credit to both teams. MSU was hung on for dear life twice. It got to, like, you know, danger zone moment twice where the lead got pushed to seven, I think. A couple times and you're like this could this could be the kill shot and msu didn't fade so good on them they were mentally tough and you know that's the way she rolls what do you think you know how, did, how was your takeaway this game yeah uh, i i'm so conflicted because i i really think that you you make a lot of great points and i do think this just kind of boiled down to jimmy's and joe's at the end yeah. of the day yeah. um I think beginning to end, it's this or the game on the road at Wisconsin was the best game I saw this team play the whole year. And I think, and I honestly think it was this game for the most part, despite the end. Um, They looked like what you expect a Michigan State team to look like in March. They dictated the pace of play, honestly. They knew Duke was not a good defensive team and they took it right at them. Uh, I thought they, honestly, a huge amount of credit. Like when I say that Joey Hauser changed my entire impression of his Spartan career this weekend, I'm not being, I'm not speaking in hyperbole. Like the job he did on Paolo Bancaro, given his physical limitations and the fact that Bancaro is going to be a 15-year player in the NBA. And we're talking he's easily top four or five draft pick. Dude could probably play. He could yeah. start for the Pistons tomorrow. Um, and I don't even remember what his numbers were at the end of the game, but he did not have the impact that you would expect from that, given the the guy who's trying to defend him. Uh, I, I thought that Hauser did a great job. Bingham did a great job. Uh, I think AJ Hogard, like I can just tell you that my AJ Hogard stock, which I bought the day he stepped on campus, is at an all-time high after this game. He was the one who looked like he belonged on the floor out there the most against these guys. Gabe Brown came out and shot the lights out, was aggressive. They just looked locked in. And I think maybe that's part of the frustrating, like yeah. the frustration that so many people had with this team is that when we saw that, you know what I mean? Like we saw that from this team, they could hang with Anybody. I mean, Duke is as talented, as talented, top to bottom talented as any team in the country. Will they win the national championship? I don't think so because they can't really defend anyone. But when you go Jimmy's and Joe's, you're not going to find any. None of those one seeds are better. We've seen the two seeds lose uh, and and none of them would have done, you know, any better than Duke's done. So for MSU to take on that, that team and really like, like you said, fight back so hard to the point that people are coming away from a game against Duke this year, 2022, being disappointed that Michigan State lost. Like, I don't, it's it's loser talk, but it's like, we, we saw so much bad basketball from this team, so much choking basketball, so much disengaged basketball. And we finally got what we had been asking for the whole year. And for that reason, I'm... I'm okay. Like I'm at peace with the fact that they lost to Duke. 
I hate the fact that they had to play them because I think that it's just BS from the from the committee that were clearly just drumming up the storyline. But that's beside the point. And and to your point, I think if you want to be mad about this game, don't get mad at the game. The game is exactly what you can't ask for a lot better. I don't think the final score even tells the story of this game by any stretch. Um, it was much closer than this the entire time. But the reason why Duke pulled away at the end was because they just had better players. They just had NBA dudes at multiple positions. And guess what? Even those NBA dudes, they weren't even the ones that killed this game. It was Trevor Keels. It was yeah. Jeremy Roach. You know, yeah. it was uh, Theo John. It was the guys that filled out the roster that really ended up winning this game for Duke. The ones that, and Theo John made huge plays down the stretch for this team, getting major offensive rebounds and putbacks and like that's what you should get mad at get mad get mad at Tom Izzo for not recruiting well enough to have his roster in a place where he can go toe-to-toe with Duke or come close to it get mad at that don't get mad at the actual team because these guys went out and played their guts out and we're right in it until until the very very end so um and also to your point like like just to speak even more to the Jimmy's and Joe's point, like they just made NBA shots, like the shots that they made, like 65% of shots around the room, throwing these balls up out of nowhere. Like MSU, the guys executed, like he, (laughs) they, they had to make so many wild shots to hold on by the skin of their teeth and win that game. Yep. Uh, Despite being the vastly more talented team or much more talented team. So um, I come away with this from this weekend as we kind of like, move into the big picture look at the season as a whole and like i'm not joking between the big 10 tournament and march it completely changes the way that i think about and view the legacy of this year's team i don't know if you feel the same way no here's here's my only take on the season tom Izzo got the still got the most out of this his team possible in the biggest possible game the problem is that the most out of this roster can't win around a 32 game against a two seed. Exactly. That that's he's still very capable of getting the most out of whatever collection of people he gets. 40% of his his uh starting rosters are transfers. You know, like it it's not all four-year guy. Like he's capable of doing things in a newfound way, you know, despite what you'd think or hear on Twitter about how he's not up and with the time. He can do it. It's just a talent gap. And yeah. MSU can, you know, improve that talent gap. That's possible. They're in the they're in the running with some big names. I, I guess my what I'm kind of just getting at is like he's still at the top of his game from a coaching standpoint, I think for, and maybe you can argue like, well, the accident knows is here. They should have done this and they should have done that. Whatever. I meant from an energy standpoint, like from a giving everything you could get out of some guys, I think he still can do that. Right. Like, is that fair? Do you think that's wrong? Uh, Uh, No, I I think, I mean, I think he proved that. I think when he got down to the biggest games, his dudes were locked in. I mean, they played their butts off in every big game down the stretch of this season. I think what this team lacked was, uh, yes, it was just general talent that this team lacked. And again, if you want to get mad at something, get mad at Izzo for the fact that that's where he finds himself with this roster for missing on guys like, just to think of names off the top of my head, but like Keon Brooks, 
Um, yeah, Brooks would have been a real nice guy, even though Kentucky lost to have as <laughs> on this roster. Um, I'm sure I could think of many more if I really put my mind to it, but I'm sure there's like 10 different point guards he's missed out on that have gone to different schools. Um, so you can be mad at that, but in, in a game on a turnaround in March, I'd still wouldn't rather have anybody else. And to be honest with you, like in a really weird way, this where you're at as a program I think what's frustrating for people is that you, we remember loaded teams. We've had yeah. them several times. Not that long ago, we had a team with two lottery picks on it that literally had too many good players in the front court. <laughs> and, the, and the guys in the back court were the best point guard in school history, one of anyways, uh-huh. and another former five-star recruit. Like your starting lineup was Nick Ward, Jaron Jackson, Miles Bridges, Josh Langford, and Cassius Winston. Like uh-huh. that's, that's, that's a ball club. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we've seen it. Like, we've had it. And I think that's what frustrates. And guess who the backups were on that team? Xavier Tillman. And uh, who else? Matt, uh, Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins. Like, yeah, maybe not, you know, super talented dudes in the backcourt there, but guys who contributed a ton to Michigan State throughout their careers. Um, so we remember that. And, and I think that's why people are frustrated because it's like, well, once you cross a certain threshold, shouldn't you stay above it? And mm-hmm. It seems like every time MSU does it, you kind of take this half step back and you go in these these, you know, uh, uh, you know, ebbs and flows or uh, these lulls almost. And I can understand that frustration. Uh, But here's here's a thought, though, Austin. I totally get the frustration, too. But here's some recent memory. Duke didn't was would not have made the tournament COVID year. I I (laughs) great point. Great point. Kentucky had a losing season last year. Iowa State went two and twenty-two last year, or whatever whatever their record was. Like, there, <laughs> and not a great Iowa point. State is a blue blood. <laughs> I'm just saying, you look around as like programs that you, you would maybe think serious are serious. You know, North Carolina has has had some down years, yeah. and like. If these are the down years, I'm not right. sure if people can get mad just because the ceiling isn't as high, because the floor is maybe higher than any other program in the country. I mean, that seriously, Kansas is the only other team that can talk about having a floor as high as MSU. I mean, that's that's probably the most astute observation you could have made. Like, that's such a good point, and like legitimate perspective that I myself <laughs> need to be reminded of sometimes because you just, when you expect this level of excellence, like we talk about with like Ohio state football, like it must be exhausting because yeah. you're just used to you. Like I want to win a national championship every single year. I mean, it, whether it's a national championship or a big 10 championship or whatever, like I would say we don't feel that much differently about our basketball program than that. So, you know, it, it, you're absolutely right. And that kind of dovetails into what I was what I was going to say, which is you, if anybody knows how to assess issues with a roster and fix it, it's the guy we've got in charge. So when you look at, he's going to look back, just like, well, I guess we'll take a step back before we look forward. He's going to look back at this team and realize I had two scholarships that I straight up just didn't use. Mm-hmm. And this team had massive holes in it at multiple positions, but most specifically 
somebody that could have just been a grit and grind defender rebounder at the at the four or five. I think you definitely could have used that. And you could have used another wing, somebody at the two, three that could either just defend or make some shots or just sort of play a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and honestly, that would have been to take pressure off of guys like Joey Hauser and Max Christie and maybe even to some extent Julius Marble. Um, now those things happened because you have a guy in Matty Sissoko who you recruited and is appears to be unplayable uh, if we're just calling a spade a spade. So you, you backed yourself into this position, but at the same point in time, he's going to see this roster and know I've got to fix these things. Also, I, I had three seniors that were limited and without a coverall, like a Cassius Winston or a, Mm-hmm. you know, uh, some other uh, Miles Bridges um, to cover up those those gaps with just sheer talent, like it's stirred up, the, the drink doesn't always get stirred. So I, I think he's going to look ahead and and, and realize in, he's going to need to hit the portal and Mel's going to get in his ear <laughs> if he hasn't already well, and say, already go, go get a couple of guys. Well, he's also seen, well, you're right. You're absolutely right. Were you going to say he's already done transfers? Because you're right, yeah. he's done a ton. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I mean, certainly, I just don't think he needs any help, you know, and like, he knows now that, how it works. And like I already mentioned, two of the five starters were transfers, you know? Yeah, so, you're absolutely right. So, you know, and then the other piece about this roster, you said, like, having a coverall, it's tough, right? And I think that coverall, you know, you mentioned Cassius Winston, it might be next year, you might have a coverall. And with when you combine um, AJ Hogarth and, Ty- and Tyson Walker, yes, because they took together qu- quietly improved, you know, game over game over game, and to the point where they MSU finished the season on four game streak of ten less than ten turnovers in a game. Wow. Yeah, and I didn't and, realize that. That's incredible. Yeah, and and it and it gets it gets better because not only did they do it against four straight teams, it was against three quad A teams and one quad one team. Okay, the, the, almost the very best you could have played four games in a row. <laughs> and and for more perspective on that, this was the first four game stretch Michigan State had had four straight single-digit turnover games since the 2014-15 season. And it was the second time it had ever happened since the 2007-2008 season. Wow. So this doesn't happen often in the Michigan State program. We've talked (laughs) about turnovers are constantly a problem. But now you have two point guards returning who just finished their season playing the highest level of competition almost possible, you know, three quad 1A teams and one quad 1 team and did that. Does it mean that it's going to immediately translate next year? All I'm saying is I feel better about it now than I've ever felt about the turnover issues before because of that. Uh, Yeah. I think one really, you make such a good point. Like those two really were playing, I think especially A.J. Hogard. Mm-hmm. Really, t- man, if, if there's one super positive thing to take from this season it is the fact that he looks like I'll go out on a limb and say it. I think he is an all Big Ten performer next year. I, I really I really think he's 
that good. Now I say that also because if you look at who's coming back in the Big Ten, you're you're not going to recognize. It's going to be a brand new conference. It's kind of insane how many new faces there are. You won't recognize anybody, uh, which is exciting and honestly a huge opportunity for Michigan State to be one of those names that you start talking about. And it's it's hard to to not get excited about that. Um, but I, I, AJ Hogard's steps forward this year were huge, and he did it for the most part without a jump shot. So if he comes back next fall in a little bit better shape with a little bit better of a jumper, I'm just talking, I'm talking a 35% on two shots a game, three point shot. You've got a completely different player. And then in Tyson Walker, you saw him start to do it. I think especially uh, later in the year in the tournament, I, I noticed that several times he was just getting a little bit more confident with getting to his spots and kind of taking over the game a little bit. You could feel him throughout the season kind of adjusting to like, mm-hmm. what is my role here? Like I'm on a team with three seniors. I'm the new guy. I'm not even the surefire starter. Like he went through those really bad struggles in the middle of the year, but you felt him start to get that confidence back down the stretch. And it, I think they need to play together. Quite honestly, yeah, well, that was the it, best. That was the unlocking. We that was what was unlocked. That kind of you have to play them together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I think the biggest in that when you think about the future of the roster, I mean, if anything looks good, it's that backcourt, man. Between those two, I think I, I personally really like the things that I saw from Jaden Aikens down the stretch. I think you could see a big jump from him going into his sophomore year. Christie, I think, might have the most natural basketball talent on the team. I would expect to see, uh, I would hope, a sizable step forward going into his mm-hmm. second year. All of a sudden, you're talking, and we don't really know what we have in Pierre Brooks. But we know we have enough that Izzo was willing to play him a little bit down the stretch. To even take Brooks out of the equation. You're talking about four to five really, really good, like very playable, if not starter cal- caliber talent just in the backcourt. And we know, we've seen it. Look at the teams that are left. What have they, what have they all had thus far? They've had very good guard play. Um, <laughs> all this is the name of the game, man. <laughs> it is. It, it is. Every, every single year. So I, I look at that front court and I think, or that back court, and I think if you can find a way to maybe get one more dude to slot in there and maybe slide Christie down to the three, which I don't, in Michigan State's offense, it's kind of interchangeable, the two and the three. Mm-hmm. So if you could find a way to get another guard to put on that second unit with with Aikens uh, and play those two as starters for long stretches together, you're you, you're going to have a very a very good backcourt. Other thing about Tyson Walker, and then I'll pass it back to you. He defensively really took big steps forward. I think was where I noticed him more than anything. He was going after steals against Duke, like he was really uh, causing problems. So I'm I'm super excited to see his uh, next year. Um, in green and white. Yeah, he's the defensive player of the year, right? At when he was um, in playing for Northeastern and for his conference, and then he caught up to the game speed of the Big Ten, and and it's it's still it, he's he's still capable. So now you're going to see you know an even another another step. That's just so you, yeah, you can feel encouraged about the backcourt, like you said. You know, Max Christie he broke the freshman minutes record in the Big Ten tournament the first game. And then you added on three more games after that to give you an idea of how many minutes the kid played. And, you know, it's a normal amount maybe for a guards um, on, on other teams. I, no, Michigan State just traditionally doesn't play guys a lot of minutes. Um, even our best players, Cassius, you know, 
yeah. we worried about him, but you looked around the league and he's probably like fifth or sixth in the league in minutes. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, there's going to be a, a conditioning gap that's close and you got to feel good about that. And then I think the question marks here are you know, what you lose here is probably Marcus Bingham, who finished with the most blocks in his Michigan State career with 168. It's 29th best all time in uh, the Big Ten. And he finished with the second most blocks in an MSU season with 77. So wow. the the I don't think it can be understated how big of a role he played. Uh, for this team, even though it may have been quieter and you just wanted more energy from him and just to be awake and, you know, all of that thing. And despite all of that, he was still putting up those types of numbers, you know, I think defensively, you're going to see a massive hole in the Mm -hmm. middle of this defensive line, you know, um, that needs to be fixed, needs to be filled because Julius Marble, he can try as hard as he wants. He can get better at angles. He can do whatever. But at the end of the day, he can't defend in this league at the highest level. We saw guys um, that who are just more talented, and, um, and 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 it's no one's fault. It's a physical thing, right? So, and Maddie Sissoko apparently, unless he takes a leap that we has never really been taken, right. he's not going to be ready to to play at any significant level um, defensively at any point next year. Like you, you want to get him to the point where he's playing even like eight limited. minutes a game. Yeah. Like Maybe. limited minutes, you know, like, cause you can't ask a kid to go from what is he three, four minutes a game to, to like 20. It's just not no. going to work out. Yeah, you, you need five good. You need five good fouls from Maddie Sissoko, and That's you can consider it. it an absolute success next year. Yeah, and so you know you 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 have that, and I think the great news if you're an MSU fan is the staff's aware of that, and they're yes. working on it, and they're also yeah. working on the the wing position. So that's where. Yeah, I, I think that if you look as we look ahead, again, I think backcourt. Backward, I'm not sure you need to do much of anything. Uh, you know, you could convince me that you need – it depends on how you define the backward. If it's just the one and the two, I don't think you need to do a thing. I think they could use another wing player to to spell Christie or to be able to push him up a little bit because you just don't know what you're going to get out of Pierre Brooks. And I'm not sure defensively whether he's ever going to be able to hang with, with those positions. So you just don't – it's kind of an unanswered thing. Um, add on top of that that you're getting uh, Trey Holloman in – as a another point guard recruit, which is super exciting, but you know it's it's he's almost a luxury <laughs> at this point. Um, so uh, you know I, you have to wonder if he'll even play a lot, you know, much at all next year. Um, so as you look at what are the holes that need to be filled, honestly, they need to be hitting this transfer market as hard as they can. They need to try and find their own Oscar Sheway from West Virginia, the guy who, despite the fact that Kentucky got upset by St. Peter's in the first round, which is insane um, <laughs> and awesome for my bracket, uh, they need to try and find a guy like that. They don't they don't grow on trees. Um, double doubles every night in the major conference are, are tough to find. But 
you need to be hunting for something like that. I don't think you can go into this season with Marble as your starter and really look yourself in the mirror and think we're going to compete for a conference title. I think he can be a great, great backup, a great backup with another year. I mean, this guy's played a ton. I think he's going to be a senior next year. Um, and so I, I think he's got a valuable role to play. It just can't be as a starter. Um, so you need to go find that. And I honestly think, I think you need somebody to push Malik Hall at the four. I love Malik Hall, but we've taught, we've said Jimmy's and Joe's how many times Malik will try and try and try. And we've seen huge games from him every single season, but the, for every huge game, you have just complete and total no shows. Duke being a prime example, just nothing from, from, from Malik. So, so you need somebody to push him or if not push him and he's the starter to be able to spell him uh, for stretches because there's going to be nights when he's just not going to show up. Yeah. And, you know, I think one thing we just, as far as in a lot of players, we say, you know, I, I, shame on me, you know, for calling out the, the lack of effort from Bingham. I, we don't know what goes going on in people's lives, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I it's probably unfair for me uh, or any of us to speculate that you know somebody can't do something. Perhaps there's just stuff going on that's more important, you know. And yeah, I mean, he he went through the COVID stuff this year. You know, he had a bout with COVID, which I think clearly affected him for and, for a and stretch. You hate to speculate, but he he also has you know dealing with some much more important things at home. You know, yeah. and so you don't want to speculate that on anything. It's just. I think sometimes it's easy to say somebody is not locked in or engaged and there, there could be a very good reason, you know, and, and yeah, it's, sure. and ultimately the coaches know, right. They're, they know more than anyone else. So I think, you know, like you said, if he can come in and the, the reason I feel okay about him in this situation where he's at as, as a, as a junior going to be senior is because I saw Kenny Goins get, just completely overwhelmed his junior year. <laughs> Poor guy. I watched him not, you know, Malik wasn't put in the same position, but sometimes he was like, he had to get out there and, and defend guys that were just flatly bigger. Uh, listen, I don't think I'll ever see anything like Kenny Goins with two knee braces and a mask guarding Isaac Haas yeah. for like 40 minutes. I'll, I'll never that feel worse tough. for a player than I felt in that moment. That was tough. And so, you know, I just think they have a, a similar profile in a lot of ways. Sure. And, and Absolutely. I think it's fair, considering his his uh, ability to to shoot from deep, which is already he already has. Kenny Goins, you know, got that shot his senior year. I think there's just a lot of opportunity to feel glass half full about it because we've seen it. In well, life. I absolutely. I and I I think for the record, I thought Malik should probably should have been the starter for longer stretches this year, but you need somebody, you still need somebody to push him uh, and bring a different element that he doesn't necessarily bring in the, in the front court. And, and it's, again, it's not his fault. It's a Jimmy's and Joe's thing. I just need you to think that I think you need somebody that has a little bit more, you know, standard four profile physically that can hang with, with guys in the front court and are not going to get super overmatched. Um, and that might just be a guy that plays 12, 15 minutes a night. It doesn't have to, you don't have to go find a starter there. I think provided you find a starter at the five. And here's the other thing, Jackson Kohler, the kid coming in, the true freshman. I, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to find this kid minutes. I don't think he's going to be able to guard a shadow, but offensively, 
yeah. he's probably going to need to get minutes because from everything that I've seen of him or read of him, every yeah. single scouting report and the highlight video, you know, take those with a grain of salt. Is this kid is a bucket, a bucket. Like he has every move in the book. He reminds me of Ethan Happ with a jump shot, which is saying, which is, which is very high praise, but like that is the type of guy he reminds me of. So um I think you got to find minutes for him there. So balancing this whole thing is is going to be a, a challenge for Izzo. Just listen, the one thing I don't want to see happen again, though, don't leave those scholarships out there. Just right. don't leave them. There, there's no point. Like, I remember Izzo lamented the fact last year where he was like, what am I supposed to do? Go get two kids and tell them, hey, you might not play? Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> Correct. That's exactly what you should do. You should go get two guys and let it send a message to the rest of your dudes and say, listen, you're going to come in here and you're good. It's the same thing Mel Tucker does. Compete to play, compete to stay. Like, you got to be the best guy. And we're going to give as many people as many opportunities as possible. And I, and I will admit that I think it's going to be easier for him next year because he won't have so many seniors. Whereas he had a lot of seniors uh, on this team. And he did. He, I know he felt bad about taking minutes from guys like uh, Bingham and Hauser and Brown. He won't have to deal with that mentally next year. So, sure. well, and if Hauser comes back, which he could, then you know, there's your they'll run it back with Hall and Hauser, you know, minutes yeah. with with Kohler, you know, trying to you know find the court when he can. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, to be to determined here on Joey Hauser, Gabe Brown, you know, Marcus Bingham, and what they choose to do um, with their COVID year, or if they'd like to pursue something else um i think you know we'll be all over that as as the summer moves on or the spring moves on and we find out but i think one thing um as we think about finally the overall thoughts we talked about the floor of this team i and on the flip side i would say this team just did the bare minimum for this season to not be considered a failure and, yeah. and some could even call it a failure, but I think that's where I'd remind you the perspective we already talked about. But, you know, I think a seventh place finish in the Big Ten and around a 32 loss, that's the floor for Michigan State, pretty much. That's okay. I mean, damn. Okay. Like, that's right. so awesome. Um, and, and, you know, you and I were talking, like, if they had lost to Davidson, it would be really tough to not start asking a different types of questions it's funny how one game can change a lot and then you know to be fair the duke loss was not a 20 point loss like it was to kansas in 2017 or to Memphis, and you know in 2008 i think it was you know it was just like so egregiously not even in the same ballpark of (laughs) you know this was the case too but at least they like you you were like okay they are a player they're an nba guy away you know from from being a ball club so yeah that's why that's where I am at as a program. And I don't know. What do yeah, you think? No, I, I, I think I'm with you. I think if this is the floor, I mean, you said it earlier, like Duke wouldn't have made the tournament, the COVID year, like, it, which is insane. I like totally forgot about that. Uh, you know, Kentucky was below 500 last year. It, it is important to like realize that Michigan States, if, if this is the floor, that's mm-hmm. it. That's as elite a floor as you're going to get. Now, you don't want to be at that floor often, if at all. But knowing that, um, you can look at this season and, and, and have, 
you know, a decent takeaway. Again, I look at it and I see we won 20 plus games. They made it to the semifinal of the Big Ten tournament, which is not nothing. Uh, and ultimately won a game in March. Like when was the last time they won a game in March? It's been a, it's it, because of the COVID year, it's been since they were in the final four. Like it's, so, so those, those things are all benchmarks for a good, healthy program. If you hit several of them if or all of them, like you, you can feel okay about where you're headed. I, I will also say that this team, I think it's important to remember what the preseason expectations were. I yep. think they were pretty much what we just saw. They were. If we're being honest with each other, I would love to go back and listen to what we said at the beginning of the year. But but I really don't think that well, maybe I don't want to do that. But undo that. Do not do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, please don't do that. Um, I really don't think it would be far off from from what you just saw. I mean, I mean, we thought this was a middle of the pack Big Ten team because the Big Ten was coming back looking really strong. Um, we thought that this team was limited in certain areas, especially the front court. That came to light. Um, but we thought they could get back to March and be somewhere. I think I, I actually was kind of coming back. I think we both said like a five or a six seed. So all things considered, not very far off from, from where he ended up. And had this team not gotten weirdly ranked in the top 10 uh, at the beginning of the season after those wins in Atlantis, I think people look at it very, very differently. Very yeah. different. And I think had they just not lost to Nebraska and Northwestern, people look at this season very differently. So all in all, if this is, I say all that to say that you're totally right. If this is the floor, like I can live with that. And here's the other thing. I I was surprised at how not mad I was after this game. Yeah. And and here's what my, here's, I was like, why am I not mad? You know what? Why? Or because this, they're not a team to waste time being mad or sad about. And like, I don't mean that to be mean, but like, this team didn't earn the right to make this hard. No. You know, the teams that did 2014 lost in the Elite Eight, that was hard. Because you were like, mm-hmm. this was a team. 2015 lost in the first round of Middle Tennessee State, that was hard. Because you were like, I could see this team doing something. 2020 COVID year, you could see it. And that's yep. something worth getting upset about. This team beats Duke. Let's say they round out and finish that game and Paolo Banchero doesn't hit a few of those bullshit shots, NBA <laughs> shots that that he hadn't hit all, you know, all the time all year that bounced out a few times in their losses. Then this team's playing Texas Tech and they lose. They're not beating Texas Tech. Like let's be realistic here. Well, here hold on. <laughs> Can I just say that I was feeling the exact same way that you are? But watching that Notre Dame game, I oh. was ready to be so mad. I was ready to be furious that, that we lost. That would have that would have completely changed the way that I feel. Well, um, but yes, that, I agree. For what it's worth, okay, Notre Dame wins that game. Like Zaka, there's no chance we can contest. Like you know what I mean? And I understand anything can happen in March because St. Peter's. But I'm just like realistic, uh, yeah. realistically, like the like, odds are not good. They weren't, this wasn't, they would never be a favorite, you know, again. You know, they played Texas Tech and then Gonzaga, like, and then whoever in the final four. So I just, for me, I, I'm not, it's not worth it, you know, because they played a, they played an A game against Duke, lost. Hey, what are you going to do? You, know? you move on. I think we can come away from this year. 
I don't know. I'm, I, I feel way better about the, the future state of the program today than I did not that long ago. So, I, you know, all in all, um, yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm heartbroken that the season's over, but I am, I am more excited about the fall and less, maybe not more excited, less afraid about next year today than I was maybe four or five weeks ago. The only fun thing, you know, like, Every, it's like, man, would it have been ha ha funny to like be the team that took out Coach K, right? Like, oh, would have been awesome. But beyond that, you know, I, I don't, I just don't know if it's worth the time and energy to get mad, you know? It's not. It's not. It rarely ever. Listen, as I said, and we should take a commercial break and start talking, roasting some other teams for a bit. <laughs> um, it's football season. It is. Keep chopping. It's deep water time. We're three weeks away from um, the spring game. So just keep take that into the commercial. Yes, indeed. All right. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Now we're back. John, let's spend this last 20 minutes or so roasting some other Big Ten teams and talking about the tournament writ large. So I got a little bit of guff for suggesting that the Big Ten would over under would be 2.5. They could be by the skin of their teeth. <laughs> let's walk uh, let's Yeah, walk wait. The under hit. No, no, no. The th- they hit three. You got Purdue, uh, Michigan, and oh, is that it? That's it. Oh man, I was yeah, right. my bad. Yeah, no, you don't deserve any guff. You you guff, nailed it. Guffless over here. Guff revoked. Guff. Um. Anyway, so let's start at the top. Indiana um, looked really good in their win against Wyoming. Kind of handled that one all the way through, and then they started to think they could do something, and then I was trying to remind as many people as possible that Indiana is not good at basketball. They haven't been all <laughs> year. What, what, beating, a, beating a Mountain West team that finished in fourth place oh. or whatever doesn't change my mind about the Indiana. But okay. The Mountain West, I think <laughs> talking about somebody who deserves some guff. What a – just a trash conference. We got to talk. God. They should stop getting – bids like how does colorado state getting a six seed i don't understand like i know we weren't that good we're better than that team (laughs) that's a fact yeah i mean so you know indiana another fun call out i think the other thing that kind of held true that we talked about was every big 10 team would win um games in which there was simply no body or an answer for the big um and it would, and they would continue to win until they they found one. Uh, Wyoming, you know, had a body, but he just was. It was too big of a moment for Wyoming, and Trace Jackson Davis went 
scorched earth. And then, you know, St. Mary's just was a much better team than then. So it was, of course, time for Indiana to bow out. Well, um, question for you before we move on from Indiana. Um, if you're TJD, what do you do? Don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I am genuinely curious because kid's a junior. He's only got one year left. I don't know that he's going to be a high draft pick, probably somewhere in the second round. Do you give any thought to just like maybe just coming back? I think like it's a really hard question to answer because your stock gets worse no matter how good of a season you have because now you're mm-hmm. two or whatever. Um, I don't know. I but mean, like, like how much worse? Like if you're going to be a second round NBA pick, like – Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Obviously, get the bag, but I have to believe that Indiana Hoosiers would find an incredible NIL deal. That's just it. And you get to come be a senior on campus, and you're the only non-bad one, so no one will be mad at you. Well, and also the Big Big Ten's wide open, so he legitimately will be another first-team Big Ten player. He'll get a decent bag. I'm like, what's the bag from the G League? Like, do you want to go play in Maine? Do you want to go like, you want to play in Grand Rapids or would you rather just stay at IU for another year? Like at this point, uh, to me, if I'm him, like I would think very strongly about coming sure. back. I don't want him to, for the record. I would much rather not play against him next year, but especially if Julius Marvel's our starting center. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That one just popped into my head. So, yeah, I mean, he'll probably, I don't know. Whatever. Moving now, on. Rutgers. Really ruckered it up, lost oh. to Notre Dame. Can't say you didn't see Rutgers coming, but um, Notre Dame, you know, at, at the very least, you know, kind of a surprise team to make the tournament, and then a surprise, you know, win against Alabama. Who I don't know if you saw this, but Nate Oates completely lost his team. Did you know that in the volunteer shootaround? Before their NCAA tournament game, how many players do you think showed up to the voluntary shootaround? Based on your tone, I'm going to guess very few. One. 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 Uh You're playing in an NCAA tournament game. And you say. Why is there a voluntary shootaround? I don't know. I don't think anything in March is voluntary at Michigan. (laughs) Well, serious programs and unserious programs. Right. So I don't know what's going on with that. I was just like, what, what, how could something implode so badly? So fast. <laughs> so fast. So anyway, Notre Dame took advantage of that, I think. And um, I, candidly, I think Rutgers would have too. And um, moved down until uh, they played a, a real team. Let's move on to Thursday. So Michigan takes on Colorado State. We see the Michigan we've seen almost all year, with the exception of a couple highlighted games. Um, in the first half. And then Hunter Dickinson did what we kind of talked about. He is, yep. they have no answer. And so until they find a body for him to go against and that you, the big 10 teams would keep advancing and um, they didn't find that body yet. They found it against Tennessee, but Eli, a couple guys made some Hunter Dickinson yeah. played incredibly, you know, and, it, and so it does really make you wonder, like, in watching them down the stretch of this year, like how were they not like a, at least a top 25, like how did they not win? 
They won 17 games. First of all, I still don't think they should have gotten in the tournament, let alone against Colorado State, let alone in Indianapolis. But that's old grievances. They did what they had to do. They won their games. You can't really discredit them for that. Um, but like, how are they not better? I don't. I just don't understand. Like, I well, give credit to some guys. I know Terrence uh, Williams really took a big step forward during the season. Um, Devontae like, Jones got better. I think, yeah. you know, they they just are peaking at the right time. This is the team I think mm-hmm. a lot of people thought this team would have become earlier in the season. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't matter as long as hey, you yeah. got that. You know, credit, also, credit where it's due. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hunter Dickinson, as we talked about going pro, he's 21 and a half as a sophomore. Yeah. And See, that's that. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'd come back if I'm him, because like I, the, the reason I say that about TJD is because he's like kind of the face of this this generation at IU. And I, if he came back to because the new coach was here and like to usher in this new era. I kind of feel like that's compelling. Whereas Dickinson still has two years left. Like he's made the five, the sweet 16 twice. Like he's not necessarily getting better. Like if I'm him, I probably just go cash in. But that, at that same point in time, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. I'd yeah. hate it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Well, he tested the waters last year. I think the other piece True. you look at, um, you got to look at the four freshmen, you know, that came in, they're all top 50 freshmen and unfortunately for them they they either were misranked or were underdeveloped because they don't out of all of them you have two potential second rounders yeah maybe and you just don't usually see that when you have to go 0 for 4 on top 50 (laughs) kids and like yeah i'm kind of being a jerk but like at the same time like it's true like you you it absolutely is true you got to take a peek at that and say, okay, they probably all should come back because they're no good. Um, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Diabate people look at that body and look at that as a great G League stash project, you know, and like, because I think, oh, he yeah, 100%. Right? I think he's, he could be an NBA player. Oh, absolutely. I 100% think he could be. Uh, and, and Houston, you, uh, Houston, I think should. I mean, we've spent too much time on Michigan, but Houston should absolutely come back. Bufkin, I don't know if he's ever going to play. No. So, and, and so anyway, and Frankie Collins came on as a nice team. I like Frankie Collins. I yeah. got to give him credit. I like it. I would have liked not an NBA player, player. Like him on my team. He's not. No. So, like, that's just this is an interesting conversation point. So they beat Colorado State and then and then took out Tennessee and really won the game. Tennessee, they just won the game. And um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, credit where credits due as that goes. For what it's worth, like there's a lot of um, chatter. They feel the need to compare themselves, or or or, because Michigan State is the standard. You know, Mm -hmm. they have to. They have no choice to, um, to to you know put the standard next to each other. For what it's worth, you know, they've made five straight Sweet Sixteens, which is fantastic. But you don't hang Sweet Sixteen banners. You shouldn't. Well, you don't. And in, in, in that, in, you know, during those five years, they have uh, two Big Ten tournament championships and one Final Four. Well, so does Michigan State. Like, so, <laughs> so, like, so I guess I'm just like not moved by this 
And don't get me wrong, Sweet 16s are awesome, man. I wish my team was playing in it. I love Sweet. Yeah, I mean, it's always but, fun. But but like, let's slow down on this being the new standard here, right? Because it, the standard is higher, not only for Michigan State, but for Blue Bloods in general. So they're having a nice stretch. Um, they pulled it together very late, and um, we'll see how they do uh, in the second weekend. Um, more teams to clown Austin. This might be my most favorite. Iowa, a 10-and-a-half oh. favorite against uh, Richmond, who may, who had to win their A-10 tournament to make the tournament. The Spiders <laughs> handled Iowa. It's a, the best, man. It's the best. <laughs> I've said this so many times about random things on this podcast. I feel like they're always Iowa adjacent. Um, but, like, really, it's so nice to know that some things in life will just always be there and be constant, no matter what else changes. And one of those things is a random McCaffrey team choking. And this is a choke. This is an out-and-out choke job. You have probably – I mean, you've now gone back to back years with – the best player, a guy whose number you've already already retired at Luka Garda, and then probably the best NBA prospect you've had in school history, back to back years, and done nothing with it. Literally, not made the Sweet Sixty. It's 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 amazing. Um, Tournament, much like Rick Barnes. Oh God, much like Rick Barnes. You it's, you trust them at your own peril when it comes to March. They're just not. They're fine regular season coaches, obviously pretty good recruiters, but like you did, they're just not. They're just they, not March winners. They and are it's funny. They are built different in in a bad way. They are built in a bad way. The uh, yeah, listen, two All Americans and and one national player, and one of them was a national player of the year, and you have one singular NCAA tournament win. You have the same amount as Michigan State the last two years. Pu, stinky. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> Gross. Uh, I'd be thoroughly embarrassed if that was the case. Ohio State takes on Loyola Chicago and does like the funniest thing ever and has their best defensive performance by far all year, despite not really that being their thing. <laughs> they just decided today's the day, which is a fantastic time to, to do that in a pick game against a really tough opponent. Um, Loyola had their worst shooting performance I think I saw in like I don't know how many seasons like I can't imagine having your worst shooting night ever in the biggest game of the season <laughs> and like just tough to watch yeah I mean this is this this the back-to-back Ohio State performances because they went on to then lose to Villanova was like the perfect encapsulation of this Ohio State season. Oh yeah, just complete and total chaos. Like you, one it's the most Jekyll and Hyde team, and it always was. Um, I think a, a underrated storyline here is that we we pressed pause on the Drew Valentine hype train. Yes, which is kind of nice from a futures buying Michigan State perspective. I think there was a lot of talk. Throughout this year, about how uh, MSU fans were excited to have him as our future coach, and yada yada yada. Well, first of all, I don't think Tom was going anywhere. He more or less came around and said that uh, for for a few years. And uh, you know, hey, I don't want anybody ushering him out the door too early. So put put a little bit of the kibosh on the old Drew 
bandwagon. Uh, so I think that that wasn't the worst thing in the world well, to have happen. He joins the A10 next year with Loyola, and we'll find out a little bit more about because that's a tougher conference than the Valley. Yeah. So he, quickly though, Loyola shot true. 15, fifteen for fifty-six, eight for twenty-eight from three, and three of ten from the free throw line. Like. <laughs> <laughs> The last one's when you know it's not your night. It's just, it's well, just. Three wins from the, uh, the remakes from the free throw line is, yeah. So just hang them up. Go home. Go, 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 go to the lake. Sit down, stare at the water for a while. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Uh, Purdue takes on Yale. Doesn't have much of a, a problem. You know, there's just no answer in the front court, so. Uh, that was kind of obvious. And then took down um, a tough Texas team, and they are they are Sweet 16 bound. But, Austin, I don't sh- how, how do you feel about their prospects now that they might have to play uh, maybe a more adult uh, team? Oh, I know. They play St. Peter's. Oh, God. Yeah, they play St. Peter's. I mean, this draw is about as good as it gets There's- for – Sorry for them. Um, yeah, shame on me. <laughs> That's such a. Uh, and it would be so. It's a great draw for Purdue. I mean, they're. What if they lost? I think Zach Eadie's taller than their two tallest players put together. So. It's bad. They have St. Peter's. It would be amazing. I would be so happy. As a six ten kid who doesn't play, so that should be fun for everybody. Um, and then, you know, if they win that game, which I think they'll be favored by, God, probably, what do you think they'll be favored by? It's probably out 12 points or something like that. I mean, they should what, be. What, against uh, St. Peter's. Peter's? Yeah. They should be favored by, yeah, I don't know, 15? Yeah, I'm I mean, sure. It's literally a lower seed than their first round opponent. I know. So um, yeah, if if they if if they take care of business there, um, as they probably um, should, looks like um, it's just, like you said the easiest possible. Who do they play if they if they win, Austin? Um, I'm blanking right now. It's the one seed. It's the one seed from that South bracket. No, it's not. It's going to be North Carolina or UCLA, Austin, not the ones. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is shaping up perfectly then. Yes. Because if they don't make the Final Four this year, Mm -hmm. burn the building to the ground, scrap (laughs) the program. Like, this could not shape up. You literally are not going to have to play either of the top two seeds in your bracket. Right. I mean, I, I don't know what else you want. Like, God is looking down and saying, what else do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's shaping up nicely for them, but I trust them very little. Finally, oh, I believe they'll blow it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> rounding out in our hilariousness, Illinois survives Chattanooga by by one. It was just a disaster. Um, I think they didn't lead until like the final two minutes of the game or so. Yep. And then it immediately turned around. And what did we say last week? And they get punched in the mouth. They don't, they're soft and they don't handle it well. Well, Houston punched him in the mouth a lot and uh, took care of business against Illinois down the stretch. Houston's a tough team. 
Um, they just come at you in waves and just, they're just tough, tougher than you. That's what their whole thing is. So in the Illinois, until further notice, white collar program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's totally, uh, that's a totally fair call. I, I got to tell you, this is, this, uh, Brad Underwood is really putting my, my faith, uh, to the test here because I bought a lot of Underwood stock once upon a time. And, uh, he is, he's making me sweat right now. Can I, can I, uh, share one stat with you so you can make yourself feel better about a Michigan state being a Michigan yes, state? Fan? I would love that. Okay. So, uh, there's a guy who is keeping track of, um, P5 programs without an eight-win football season or a Sweet 16 appearance since 2009. It was down to three by 2015. And two after Colorado football won eight games in 2016. One after Wake Forest football in 2019. And now in 2022, it is just Illinois. The only oh. P5 team to not have an eight-win football season or a Sweet 16 appearance since 2009. That's so sad. <laughs> Like I, I, I almost really like actually feel bad because that's that's it's the basketball part that just must suck so bad about that stat <laughs> because like they've had really good teams and players and just just can't get it done. Well, sucks to suck. And yeah, then, exactly. My my thoughts exactly. Wisconsin dumps their pants in Wisconsin playing in Milwaukee surviving Colgate down the stretch and um, losing to a wall. I've been to Iowa state uh, and essentially a home game. Iowa state, as I already mentioned, this podcast went two and 22 last year. Like (laughs) they don't know how to win and you lost at home. Like, (sighs) like, and I know they overperformed this year, so I'm not going to like great. Right. But (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, it, 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 I don't know if you actually watched this game, but it was one of the toughest watches I've ever had, ever, as oh. a college basketball fan. It was just atrocious basketball. Um, and you, I think, probably would have enjoyed it because your boy, Gabe Kalsher, uh, came through and actually was the only person who seemed capable of making a shot at any point during this game. The Minnesotan, the GOAT, exactly. the goat. he comes around the bend and, and, and stabs the Badgers in the back. Sneak, oh. sneak attack from him. We appreciate him. We all appreciate you, Gabe, for that. Yes. So, <laughs> we said, horrific, horrific basketball. Like, absolutely horrific basketball. But, hey, it's, thank God it's over. And only two, you know, Big Ten teams remain. We already, as we already stated, we would be surprised if two remains next weekend uh, or even one for that matter I, here's the i wouldn't be surprised i would only be surprised if it's purdue because it's purdue yeah i think i mean michigan's got a real and listen they're playing really really well right now but they have a in all likelihood they're gonna have to play villanova and then if they win that play arizona that's brutal those are two really good teams i mean one maybe the best team in the country in Arizona. And the other is Villanova, who's got maybe the best coach in the country in, in Jay Wright with a week to prepare for you. So, um, and some of uh, one really uh, impressive big that I think is going to give Dickinson some trouble, but um, 
yeah, I guess, John, as we kind of end it here, do you have a different pick for who do you think is going to I just come I out? Thought, I, we didn't talk about it, but I thought the Gonzaga-Memphis game was incredible. And yeah. I don't know if you had a chance. Drew Timmy, in my eyes, is, is Gen Z's Christian Leitner. And oh, it's such a good comparison. Uh, he is 100% Christian Leitner. Just he's as hateable, but uh, is the same game really. Yeah. And and he took over, and that was pretty cool to see. And especially when you saw guys on that court who are all going to have much longer and better NBA careers than him. But it's just in that moment in time, this guy was the best basketball player on the court with those guys. I just think that's always fun. You know, to, it's Chet hilarious Holmgren. that he's the one out there next to Chet Holmgren. He's like, no, we got to give it to that guy. And, J, you know, Jalen Durant, you look up and down the yeah. road. Like Gonzaga has a couple guards that, you know, are probably going to see league time, not a ton. But, you know, yeah. you got to feel pretty good about their NBA uh, players, you know, and, and he's the guy, you know, on the team. And I still think they're the team to be. Yeah, they have. Until I'm breaking one of my only rules, which is, you know, when in doubt, pick the team who's been there before. Um, well, Gonzaga's been there before. They just haven't done it. And yeah. um, you look around the league or the rest of the teams this year and you're like, well, I mean, are there any others that really jump out to you? You know, like from, I don't know. Uh, I will t- I'll, I'll make my sleeper pick. And I actually, after watching them, uh, this weekend, I like Houston, man. If they're going to let these guys get away with beating the crap out of people on the perimeter, then Houston's got a real shot to beat Arizona and sure. make a run. But but I also think it's funny because after all these upsets, I'm still looking at the bracket, and I still think three one-seeds are going to make it. And I still think Gonzaga's going to win. I still think Arizona's going to win. And I still think Kansas is going to come out of there. Um, the chaos one is is the East, which is St. Peter's, Purdue, and North Carolina, UCLA. I could see any of those teams uh, making a run. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It should be it should, shaping up to be some really good games this this upcoming weekend. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Um, I think I, I always had Houston beating Arizona because Houston's been there. Arizona, yeah, exactly. Has five of their top six minutes, our players are freshmen. And I, I just, you, you got to feel better about Houston there. You know, I agree. Kevin, Kevin Sampson's been there too. He's always, he knows what he's doing. You know, Arizona has had their best, it's his first year head coach. Now it was the best season anyone could have ever asked for from Arizona. He's national coach of the year, but like at the same time, you know, he's been there on the bench with Gonzaga, but never done it. Yeah. So, so that's where I'm kind of like on Houston side. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on the Houston, the final four. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. It was fun. It was a yeah. this season was tough, but you know, I think after some sl- sleeping on it, you know, it's the fastest it. I've ever gotten over a March loss. Same. <laughs> and yeah. And and like you said, now we're gonna. You know, pivot a little bit. Spring game is on April 16th, and that's around the corner, dude. So we might do a couple uh, things before then, and then we'll, you know, take our summer hiatus. So, hey, 
guys. Everyone. Thanks for listening as always. We appreciate you. It was fun, even though it wasn't sometimes, (laughs) but we say it all that to say this tuck coming. Tuck coming. It's true. Uh, As always, thanks for sticking with us guys for John. This has been Austin and we'll catch you next time. Yep.